your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Billbar. Go to billbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. On tonight's episode, it is time to close out the Calgary three-game stand on the road for the Winnipeg Jets. And of course, this game against a team that does nothing but troll and hack and whack. Winnipeg was going to have to do some dumpster diving and produce some really greasy goals, and in fact the Jets, especially in this first period, basically sank to some really fun lows. Uh, So the Jets came out of the gates looking a little bit slower, which is not exactly surprising with this team. The Jets are, are very much known slow starters when it comes to opening 20 minutes of games. I was maybe hoping for a bit better from the Jets because they did need a huge response after their second game, which was a bit of a drubbing at the hands of Calgary. Now, the Flames, they are a pesky team. They're very annoying. They like to make a lot of dirty hits and goon it up because, let's be honest, they're coached by Daryl Sutter, and Daryl seems to be under no illusions about where the talent level of this team is, so he's going to look for other ways to try and gain a competitive advantage, or rather, something to even the playing field. Lucic running every single Jet from behind seems to be one of their main, uh, objectives, I guess, throughout this entire series, so I was curious to know how things would start off. But unfortunately for the Jets, Calgary immediately was ready to pounce on some mistakes and took an early power play less than a minute into the game thanks to some sloppy stick work from Andrew Kopp against Johnny Goudreau. Not super shocking, I mean, Goudreau basically does this to everyone and Kopp had to hook him, so Winnipeg goes on the PK. And like the first minute or so, a little bit chancy here and there, Goudreau got a couple of decent looks, but thankfully no goals against. And then Winnipeg tried a line change in the middle of the shift, and uh, Mark Giordano ended up holding the blue line, keeping the puck inside the zone just long enough to basically reset inside the neutral zone and spring back in. And Calgary basically had a three-on-one against Josh Morrissey because Neil Pionk had just come off the bench but wasn't covering anything and didn't really track back aggressively like I would have liked. It led to a Flames tic-tac goal that I believe was credited to Elias Lindholm, so not a really great opening start, and I felt like this could be a rough game for the Jets because just a few minutes later, they took a another penalty. You could kind of feel like Calgary was starting to dictate the pace of this game, especially early, and we know how the Jets are against teams that are really fast and really scrappy. Winnipeg can definitely dominate bad teams, but when it it comes to a team like Calgary that's really fast off the counter and can occasionally just physically bully you, the Jets sometimes have struggled with that. Now, I don't think the solution is to get physically tougher. I don't think that you necessarily have to do that because what you want to do instead is look for more speed. If Calgary wants to try and hit you, just skate by them. Use speed and skill to your advantage because if Calgary is just looking to goon it up, then you can start drawing penalties and look to just skate around their defenders who are overcommitting if you have guys who are really fast on the puck. And that's exactly what the Jets do have if they're placed in a certain arrangement. For once, Paul Maurice made a decision that would actually be celebrated by a lot of Jets' Twitter. He ended up moving uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois to the line with uh, Blake Wheeler and Paul Stastny, and then moved Shifley between Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. This change is very much the kind that needs to be made because PLD tends to fit a lot better with guys who are very capable of grinding down low, 
doesn't have to be guys who are super fast because PLD will do a lot of the transition stuff. What he needs are guys who are net front presences like Paul Stastny and occasionally Wheeler when Wheeler likes to work down low. PLD fits those players a lot more than he does guys who are very much dominant on the puck and skating down the wings aggressively. Shifley has needed those speedier scoring wingers because right now he's not really been able to get you know into good scoring positions on his current line and this this change definitely gives him the sort of skill and speed out on the wide flanks especially guys who will pass to him and allow him to be more of a shooter. Thus far he's mostly been a pass first kind of player and that's not really working out for him so far. For the first couple of shifts, it did take the Jets a little bit of time to get up and running. You know, Calgary was still dictating the pace of these opening minutes, and of course, Connor Hellebuck had to be really sharp. He had one ridiculous point-blank desperation save against Sean Monaghan to keep it at a one-goal deficit, giving the Jets a lifeline, and then a few minutes later, Winnipeg's fourth line kind of trolled its way to a goal. Thanks to a great forecheck by Matthew Perot, and then a really nice uh, vision and passing sequence from Dylan DeMello, DeMello actually saw Thompson coming in towards the slot from the right side, or uh, I guess Thompson's left in this case. And I don't know if he was trying to pass it or shoot like a deflected tip, but either way, he got the puck down low, and Thompson actually extended his leg out and essentially kicked the puck into the net. Now, from my perspective, I think by the way that the NHL views kicks, it is a kick. But here's the argument that I think actually got this goal to count. Thompson extends his leg fully before he makes contact with his puck. This is similar to what you see in, in soccer when a player deflects a ball, you know, on the inside of his heel or something, which, you know, it is not really a thing that the NHL likes to see as much. Usually what you want with these sorts of things is the guy's skate is not moving at all. So long as there is no sort of intentional kicking motion, it's almost always going to count. But if, if it's not really a freak deflection and there is some intentionality behind the movement of the leg, that can get really tricky really quickly. This goal review definitely took a while and it was clear that the referees were not really on the same page at first. So, you know, I, I get it. I feel like the review itself, I don't know if this goal should have honestly counted. I feel like yes and no for me. I feel like it was legal in the sense that Thompson wasn't trying to kick the puck in directly, but his motion itself to set it up, that's the questionable part. Either way, Winnipeg generously scooped up the uh, the reviewed goal, and then a few minutes later, that second line now with Connor Shifley and Wheeler had a great two-on-one with Connor and Shifley. After Matthew Tetrack tried to draw a penalty near the neutral zone on blue line, the refs, however, rightfully did not call this one because, in fact, Tuchuk was looking to draw it and actually dove a bit. Shifley and, and Connor were in on the two-on-one, and Connor perfectly sauced a great pass to Shifley for the one-timer, and the Jets go up 2-1. You know, you can say whatever you want about some of the stuff that happened in the period, but certainly when it comes to Winnipeg recognizing the stuff that makes it really strong, this is the sort of line that you can get a lot done with. And for as much as I do criticize Paul Maurice for a lot of decisions that don't make sense to me, this is one that's very sensible and one that I felt would get, you know, some sort of a payoff tonight. I didn't expect it to be this fast, but immediately we saw this line buzzing. They had some really good offensive zone shifts, and then they scored. In terms of things that please me, if you want to get lines going like this, I'm all for it. These are the smart decisions we've been waiting for. We don't want Connor Shifley-Wheeler marry the skill with the right players like Ehlers. With such an uneven first period, though, I do think it was fair to wonder if the Jets could actually keep it up, and you'll have to wait to find out in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you about the greatness that is Built Bar and Built Bar Madness. Longtime listeners of this podcast know by now that I am a huge fan of Built Bars, and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bars are amazingly low calorie, low carb, high in protein, and high in fiber, but best of all, they taste amazing. 
There are tons of fabulous Built Bar flavors out there, but you know what? There can only be one truly greatest flavor, and now it's time for you to vote on which one is the best of all time. Welcome to Built Bar Madness, the tastiest bracket challenge in all of March. Every weekday, be sure to go to BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets to cast your vote. Today's matchup is Coconut Brownie Chunk versus Caramel Brownie, and personally, I gotta go with Coconut Brownie Chunk. This is one of my top three Built Bar flavors, and I don't say that lightly, but if you disagree, or you also do agree and you want to cast your vote anyways, be sure to cast your vote for either at BuiltBar.com slash pages slash brackets, and while you're there, restock on Built Bars, and be sure to use promo code LOCKED15 to receive 15% off your next order. Once you've voted and ordered, don't forget to check back every day to see which flavors have won, and which flavor ultimately emerges as the Built Bar Madness winner. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at Calgary versus Winnipeg, and after a bit of an interesting first period, the Jets come into the second with a 2-1 lead and a need to play a little bit better than what we saw in the earlier period. Before we steam ahead on our second period and beyond analysis, be sure to check out Locked on Today and add it to your daily podcast rotation. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked on Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked in Today podcast on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. And now on to the second period of Winnipeg versus Calgary. And, and can we just take a moment to talk about how much I enjoy watching Nikolai Ehlers do anything when he's given speed and skill to work with? Man, that, that Connor Shifley-Wheeler line, yeah, I mean, uh, you gotta love it, man. This is a line that we've been looking for for a while just because we know that when you give Shifley actual talent and skill to work with, he's okay if you allow him to just cut free and be his attacking self. We know the dude just doesn't backcheck anymore, which is a bit of a problem, but a separate issue. If you're going to have guys who don't really defend, then let them be offensively gifted and show what they can truly be heading up the ice. And this line was just buzzing the entire period. They created so many wonderful rush chances. Uh, you know, every time they were inside the offensive zone, especially near Calgary's net, they were a constant threat. Winnipeg has been looking for a buzzsaw line, and this is it. And it's really been spearheaded by, you know, Nikolai Ehlers being the guy who's your transition expert, which allows Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley to move into more optimal shooting positions. That finally started to pay off in the second period when, after, you know, Shifley had already scored at the end of the first, he grabs himself another goal at the start of the second period. This one spurred to life by Nikolai Ehlers on the right flank after he dummies Mike Stone along the wall and then drives towards the the area behind the goal and sees Dylan DeMello crashing the net. DeMello's butt is firmly planted in front of Jacob Markstrom, creating a ton of chaos. Mark Shifley is filtering in right behind him, so Ehlers feeds a pass out from behind the goal line and Shifley shuffles it home, putting the Jets up 3-1. This is the sort of sequence that you want to see with this kind of team. You know, Winnipeg, I think in a lot of ways... The Jets are very cognizant of the fact that they can't really defend, so if you can't defend your own end, then look to create chaos at the other end. Let your defenders get aggressive offensively. We've seen some shifts where Logan Stanley was pinching down low and trying to create offense either along the walls or dropping between the face-off circles. You know, now Dylan DeMello is starting to crash the net, and DeMello is actually a pretty physical guy. Dylan might not be the most offensively gifted blue liner in the NHL, but he's somebody who can be a very physical presence and somebody who can also be a screen or a guy who can ferry the puck around. And, you know, we already saw DeMello get a great assist on the first goal with Nate Thompson and letting him just be another supporting skater to drop below the the face-off circles and create havoc in front of the net just gives the Jets so many more options, especially as they want to create the cycle and create more net front chaos. 
If you thought that second line was done, though, you'd be wrong, because towards the end of the second period, we also saw a really great sequence again from this line on another rush opportunity, this time Andrew Kopp getting a great feed from Mark Shifley and Nikolai Ehlers. It was an odd man rush, and, you know, Andrew Kopp basically had an empty net to tap at home just because the puck movement from Shifley and Ehlers on the initial rush chance was absolutely stupendous. Winnipeg was basically cruising, and I felt like despite some of the opportunities that they gave up in the other end, the Jets were definitely creating some really great movement and the sorts of high-danger chances that, you know, maybe expected goals aren't going to track, but as far as the Jets are concerned, we all kind of knew that they were making really dangerous passes into areas where the Jet shooters are absolutely at their most dangerous. Uh, and then the Jets almost scored again on a short-handed chance, this one because Matthew Tuchuk along the blue line fumbled the puck and created a three-on-one rush chance. Adam Lowry spearheaded this one up the ice, but he actually should have taken the shot. Despite it being a three-on-one, Neil Pionk wasn't quite in a great passing area in the central slot, and I forget who was on the right wing. Might have been Appleton or something, but either way, there weren't many passing options. Lowry was actually pretty close to Markstrom. If he just sort of forced that one home, he might have been able to score and make it 5-1. But overall, as far as this period is concerned, I don't really know that you can have too, too many complaints. If you want to see the Jets trade chances, you want to see them do it in this way, in which Winnipeg is creating the bulk of the most dangerous opportunities, while Hellebuck soaks up the rest of the damage. I think Connor was actually very underappreciated in net so far. He's been really great. He's been a rock and really an anchor for this team to stay in this game, especially with that disjointed start. But as the game started to wear on and the Jets just continued to create so many dangerous chances, Hellebuck really, you know, bailed them out on a couple of bad opportunities in the other end and gave the Jets a really nice cushion. So overall, Winnipeg just had a really solid second period. This is the kind of stuff that you want to see. That second line is looking like the top line now. And PLD definitely seems a lot more comfortable alongside Stastny and Wheeler. Wheeler in particular was grinding along the walls with PLD, which is really good to see because both of those guys kind of need to play that style now. They actually created a couple of really good scoring chances late in that period, and I, I feel like it went a little bit under the radar, but in general, the way that Dubois likes to play, especially below the goal line, Wheeler is like a perfect fit, because Blake is not going to kill you off the rush, but he can still grind along the walls and create, you know, danger opportunities from below the goal line, so very much a, a needed boost for that unit. The top six is in a much more balanced state compared to where it was in the past couple of games, and I feel like the Jets maybe found a little bit of a spark here, especially for a, a team that's really struggled to create a lot of even strength offense. All they had to do now was hold on through the third period and make sure that they didn't embarrass themselves, which, you know, against the Flames, they have had a couple of moments, but for some reason I had confidence. We'll find out if that confidence was rewarded in just a moment, but before we get ahead of ourselves, I thought you should know about why BetOnline.ag needs to be your one-stop shop for all your online betting needs. When it comes to the wild west of online betting, it's hard to know the names that are the most trustworthy and reliable places to do your betting. That's why you should look no further than BetOnline.ag, the safest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, NHL, international soccer, and so many other sports are all in full swing. Not into sports? No problem. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, featuring real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Whether you want to place a bet on the next Stanley Cup champion or who you think is getting voted off your favorite reality TV show next, BetOnline also has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds you need to make the most informed bets every single time. It's the fastest and most convenient way to get all the sports betting info you need before you make your own bets. Getting started is super easy. Just go to betonline.ag on your desktop or your mobile device, and when you register for a free account, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are recapping Winnipeg versus Calgary and the Jets 
You know, they had a 4-1 lead. Could they hold it coming into the third period and see what should be a comfortable win out? And the answer is, heck yes. The Jets basically just shut things down and basically didn't allow the Calgary Flames to breathe. In fact, the Jets even added a goal thanks to Pierre-Luc Dubois sniping one past David Riddick, who for some reason came in on relief in Jacob Markstrom's place. It was one of the first shots that Riddick faced, and it was all thanks to a bit of a sloppy play from the Flames after Wheeler and Stastny worked to win the puck along the walls. You know, PLD was just sort of drifting down the slot and did not miss his shot. Throughout the rest of the period, Winnipeg basically just disrupted any sort of zone entries, kept, you know, Calgary from really taking any real high-danger shots, and did enough to keep the Flames off balance for the remainder of the game. So overall, this was a pretty good road performance. You know, after a bit of a frustrating game on Saturday, Winnipeg needed a big statement win, and this is it. They've basically buried the Calgary Flames for this season and have continued to cement their playoff position. I think it's fair to ask what exactly the Winnipeg Jets are this year, and I don't really know if I have a great answer because the Jets are kind of a strange team, right? They're often really stupid, they do silly things, but then they have these moments of brilliance and you're like, do I want to believe in the squad? My brain obviously says no, I think Winnipeg certainly has enough problems to hold them back from greatness, but something about this team refuses to just quit on me yet, and I, I just keep holding out some candle candle of a hope that the Jets somehow make it past the uh, the first couple of rounds of the playoffs and end up kind of fumbling their way to a cup. They can make that journey to a, a Stanley Cup championship a lot easier if they stick with the current line arrangements that they've got, as well as adding a few additional improvements on the back end. For one thing, give Dylan DeMello a lot more ice time. The dude was absolutely dominant everywhere in all zones of the ice tonight, had a really great shift for the entire game, and I was really impressed with his performance. He's been very good in most of the games he's played for Winnipeg, but this was probably one of his most dominant, especially now that he was allowed to activate offensively a bit more and create more chaos down low. So overall, a really great game for DeMello. Nikolai Ehlers absolutely balled out. Mark Scheifele was offensively involved, which you love to see. Kyle Connor had a couple of good shifts. Overall, the Jets just looked rejuvenated. You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois had some really great work with Blake Wheeler. Paul Stastny was in the supporting positions. The third line wasn't getting absolutely pasted every shift. And the fourth line, you know, was sort of out there. Not really great, but uh, certainly did get a goal off of uh, Nate Thompson's skate. So I suppose you can't complain too much. Um, as, as far as things you could poke holes in, I would say that Josh Morrissey and Tucker Pullman definitely struggled. Morrissey especially. Morrissey just needs to have his minutes reduced, you know, full stop. He's really struggling out there. He's definitely not a top pairing defender. He might not even be a second pairing guy. But if nothing else, if you have to play him, you know, 20 minutes a night, then at least pair him with DeMello who can actually help him with a lot of the details. Stanley, I think, might be decent enough to not really need to be babysat the entire time by one of your best defenders. Let Stanley play with somebody like Pullman. That pairing actually works pretty well, and it allows DeMello to do his thing and really boost that top pairing. It obviously won't be like an ideal arrangement, but as far as the Jets are concerned, it's probably as close to ideal as they're going to get without bringing in somebody like Heinola or Sandberg, so for now, just ride the wave, get the Jets a little bit more support, and apply the same philosophy you used on that top six to the defensive pairings. I think the Jets are getting close to about as ideal as a, a lineup as they can get with this current roster, again without using external reinforcements or guys from the Moose. So overall, I was pretty impressed with this Jets win. I think the top six is finally starting to click. These line changes were probably overdue, but I think Maurice has often been a little bit stubborn, and certainly he's often turned back to Connor Shifley-Wheeler when things aren't working. Finally, though, for once, the Jets seem to recognize that line combo does not work, 
and they match Dubois and Shifley to lines that are a lot more suited to their skill sets. Dubois is definitely a really skilled grinder, so give him guys who are comfortable working around the net, and certainly in spaces along the walls. And then for the uh, the skill line with, you know, Shifley, Connor, and Ehlers, that's, that's the line that you want to match out against any team where you need to create offensive pressure on the counter. That line can do serious damage. We saw them hit on numerous goals tonight. They certainly created even more chances off the rush. I think that there is a very bright future for this unit, certainly one that we've been hoping for for a while. I mean, yeah, this is a pretty positive game. I have to say that there's a lot to like. I think the Jets are on a better path if they continue doing this. Uh, and, and overall, I just think we all should be pleased. I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, so let me know at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Let me know what you think of this game and if you were impressed with how the Jets played or if you think that there's still room for improvement, which there always is, but maybe it wasn't enough to really upset your overall impression of this game, or maybe you felt like Winnipeg got lucky. Either way, I'd love to hear your thoughts, so be sure to let me know on Twitter. That is going to wrap us up for tonight's episode, though. Before you log off, be sure to listen to Lockdown Fantasy Hockey and check out our podcast. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Expert Scott Cullen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long Dynasty and DFS League. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your favorite shows. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!